Welcome to Learners and Leaders, the education podcast where all things literacy, learning, and growth are discussed. Here are your hosts, Huda Harajli and Jennifer Kibbe. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Learners and Leaders. I'm Huda, joined by my friend and colleague, Jen. Hey, Jen. Hey, Huda. Well, happy 2023, which is when our wonderful audience members will be hearing this episode. Jen, are you ready to discuss the power of yet and growth mindset when it comes to readers? I am. I'm so excited to talk about the power of yet. So let's build some background quickly for listeners and myself. For students who struggle with reading, using a growth mindset often means perseverance and practice as they run strategies to decode new words, reread, to appreciate context, and carve out extra time. As educators and as caregivers, we know that this takes time and it's a catch-22. To improve requires much practice. Isn't that correct, Jen? Yes, absolutely. And and honestly, let's dive right into this idea. And it occurred to me as I was mulling the topic and, and thinking about it and watching students these last couple weeks and thinking about this power of yet, I kept going back to the model of learning to ride a bike. We put children on bicycles with training wheels. We scaffold in the class classroom, and yet, and yet, so many times, we teach lessons, and I am guilty of it, and then I expect that the children know, instead of this idea that an entire summer can go with training wheels, the next summer we take a training wheel off, We give it two weeks, maybe three weeks. We take both training wheels off. We need to remember that that practice, 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 it may be on the 50th lesson. So that idea of the power of yet, I feel that at times, as soon as an item is taught, We believe that children should own it. And as as I said, and I'll say it again and again and again, I do the very same thing. I've taught that word. Why don't they know the word the? Why aren't they using the word the? So what do you think, Hada? I definitely think, Jen, you're so spot on. I love bicycle analogies in general. Like, I feel like I'm somebody that falls off the bike all the time in life. So I love bicycle analogies, but it's so hard for our students, especially our youngest learners, to keep practicing and stay motivated if they're not seeing the success yet. And I think that's where teachers and caregivers start acting as a coach, not just as an instructor, but coaching them through the process of becoming readers and then writers. Hey, John, I have a question for you. Sure. Do you remember in like 2016-17 when everything in education flipped to growth mindset and we would have PDs and growth mindset and I had posters in my classroom about growth mindset and I feel like 
post-pandemic, we need to bring that literally mindset back because we're seeing so many different things happening in our schools and in our communities. No, I feel the same way, which is really and truly why I thought, you know, let's have this discussion because we do want that microwave, get it quick. We have so much catching up to do. I I hear daily all over the building, but we have to get them caught up. The pressure that we as educators are feeling year two, I feel we are in this stronger than ever, you know, Many people believe we had last year, and now this year we need to have caught up. And we're not there yet. Let's use that word again. We're not there yet. And and, and we're feeling and, it. Oh, yes, and definitely. And I always say this in general, catching up doesn't work. If, we were, if catching up was a strategy in life, we'd all be caught up with whatever it is that we need to be caught up with. So it is that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um to get students caught up or back to norms or whatever it is. But I have a question for you. In your mind, as an, a literacy instructor or literacy teacher, what is a growth mindset? Explain it to me like I'm five. Sure. So in my opinion, that growth mindset is that piece. And again, I stress that this is, this is my opinion. Others will have theirs. The belief that I'm working on a continuum towards that outcome or goal. It's the understanding that I'm adding little bite-sized pieces along that learning continuum. And it's also the, I'm okay with the not having the yet moment. As long as I'm building and changing and growing, and trying new things, and being strategic. Um, My example of this is working with one of my students who is a fourth grader, and saying to her, speak to me about what you are doing and feeling when you get to something that's tricky. She can articulate now, whereas you know, that was something that she wasn't able to do. She would shrug her shoulders and say, I don't know. She's now strategic. And I tell her, she is really my reading scientist. And when she owns being her own reading scientist, and says, if the book has a picture, I can use it to build story. If there's a part of the word that I know, I can use it. So she has taken on a growth mindset, and we talk about that, and she understands that there are going to be times when she may or may not. Today, she flipped a vowel sound, she tried it, it didn't sound right, and she went back. So um, I don't know if, you know, there's change over time, having a growth mindset, we can ebb and flow. Um how do you, what are you thinking about Huda? So I think you just said like the million dollar thing, Jen, like the smartest thing, because I've known you for like 12 years, that reading is a science and it's a skill 
and you build it over time. Because I think the perception that many educators, caregivers, and students have is either you're a reader or you're not. But it's actually a very buildable skill set. So reading as a discipline like lends itself so nicely to a growth mindset because you're developing tools and techniques over time to read. So I think that's like the million dollar thing right there. Our listeners can't hear my silent cheer because you know that um, when you work in a situation such as ours, um, clearly listeners, there's a lot of respect here and um, it feels good to hit the nail on the head. <laughs> yes. So thank you yes. for that. But, uh, so this is like a mic drop. We should just sign off right now because this podcast will not get any better. This episode. <laughs> there you go. But, but please keep listening. <laughs> keep listening because I'm going to ask you, Jen, how can teachers such as yourself, myself, and anybody that works in a building support a growth mindset for students as they are gaining reading skills? Mm. So we have to own it in ourselves. I have to believe not only that I will continue growing and studying, there are a lot of things out there right now talking about balance, literacy, talking about science of reading, um, the whole idea of what were we doing when we taught prompting, all of those things that are pushing against our own thinking. If I can have a mindset of growth at the 30 plus mark, then I have to expect the same from the littles that are coming to me. And I think it's that rubber band of, you know, they're going to pull against us and we're going to give them a couple inches in learning and then we're going to pull back. And it's, it's really that partnership we have with our students. It's the partnership that we have with those families for practice because we know we can't do it alone. And it's that umbrella of our school Within the school, what is the climate and culture around reading, taking the book bags home, allowing some of them to be missing? We may not get all of our books back, and that's okay. So, you know, there, there are so many things that figure into, but I think as long as we accept that as educators, we have to be on that learning um, you know, I would love to tell you that what I did 20 years ago looks like what I'm doing now. It doesn't. I have made many, many growth mindset changes. Jen, I think that's just so powerful. Like for saying like, I have had to change how I do things. And it's hard as an educator. I think the work that educators do is very important. And I also think it's very heavy. So to even come back and say to yourself, I may have one point done something that goes against research or what we know now, that is really hard. Like I used to give spelling words that now research says like, nope, that's not how you teach spelling, sis. And I loved yeah. teaching spelling that way. But you know, when research comes and when we know better, we do better. And I think Jen, 
modeling out loud to students saying like, hey, like I have trouble with X, Y, Z sometimes, and this is how I get myself through it. Or these are my strategies to build resiliency in our students. I think there, I think every student comes to our school wanting to be successful and yes. wanting to do well. But we also have to think about are we creating environments where they can be successful? And yes, books can get lost, everyone. It's okay. Um, we have budgets for consumables. As somebody who works in the land of budgets, most items we assume they'll be gone within the year and we reorder. So it's totally okay um, to have that. So Jen, I have a question for you. You mentioned that right now the internet is like on fire with all these podcasts and research about science of reading. And Jen and I are, we've been talking about science of reading for three or four years. Once we started realizing, oh my gosh, like our practice needs to change. We need to help other educators. And now we have parents reaching out because they're reading the articles and they're seeing the podcast and they're freaking out. They're yeah. freaking out one because they think schools are teaching reading incorrectly, which they may or may not be depending on your school. And also they're kind of panicking because they're seeing the effects of the pandemic and their learner. Right. So how can caregivers support a growth mindset for their readers too, knowing that we are in a very crazy reading time? I think it goes back to one of our very first moments together. It's that positive coming together with the book between you. I cannot say enough. Remain positive. Have an expectation of this is a sharing time with your child. And and make it fun and make it light. Um, as we head into the new year, if you live in a chilly place like we do and it's cold and you're indoors, let your children use books in a way all over the house. You know, having a basket of books um, wherever and make it a routine in your home. Have them see you using books, you know, whether it be a cookbook or the books that you are studying for your own work, but make it accessible. I think sometimes it's just gaining access and our libraries are wonderful, beautiful places for that. Our internet is a wonderful, beautiful place. Um, and just that positivity around books in the home. I definitely agree with you, Jen. And I think also empowering families to know more about how children develop and how readers develop. I remember when I taught um, kindergarten and preschool, parents would come to me and say, like, they're not writing. They don't know how to hold a pencil. They're not writing complete sentences. And I said, good. That means they're a typically developing child, right? And once I would tell parents that, you know, our Fine motor skills are the very last skills that we develop and muscles. Parents are like, oh, okay, everything is okay. And yes. I'm not saying to, I'm not saying, oh, we should downplay when parents come to us with a concern. I always validate it. I say, oh yeah, they hold the pencil that way in class too. So it doesn't just happen at home. And I said, well, 
this is normal and this is what we're going to do to build that skill. Um, remember the grippers that we would put on the pencil. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So it's uh, not a, it's not like, oh, it's fine. Your child will be fine because as a parent, you could tell me that all day. But if I'm concerned about my child, I remain concerned. But also giving next steps and saying, it's typical. And here's what we're going to do to build with a growth mindset, right? And I would always have students at parent-teacher conferences, John. Because I'm like, we always talk about children, but we never talk to them. Like, No, I agree. Those are wonderful. It's wonderful times for them to hear us because many times in the classroom, days will go by and when a student is performing well and participating in a way that's appropriate, we're spending our efforts and our time on those that need to be brought along. And when we bring them in during the conference and we have them be a part of the discussion, I think that shows a level of respect for the child and what they're bringing to the classroom. We are, you know, all part of this community and I think they need to hear how they enhance and support the growth of the room. So one of my, my favorite things, and this has been a shift um, and it, it does validate the growth mindset is this idea of student as teacher and teaching is talking. And I think that would be another thing for us to think about and and talk about moving forward. Teaching is talking and that presentation model is such a beautiful way for us to know what our children know. Um, and And I love sitting down and having that rich discussion with them when they are the little teacher's in the room. So for another day though, Huda. <laughs> yes. I think we just had our next episode done where we talk about maybe student voice and student mm-hmm. engagement in our classroom. Our students know so much about so many things and allowing them the opportunities to demonstrate. And that's what we talked about earlier, John, that our yeah. standards of success, right? Like what does success look like in our schools and in our classrooms? I had students that I was convinced were smarter than me. Like even when I taught first grade, I'm like, you you know how to do things. So I I started out initially in my teaching career like very tightly wound. Jenna's laughing. But with, over time, I started giving back control of my classroom to our students. And I think that's how you build agency and student voice and the very important work that we do. And also knowing that the work we do in schools is all centered around the power of yet. We can't do this yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a wonderful discussion this evening has been. Um, I look forward to comments coming in and thoughts from our listeners. Um, That is how we grow. And it makes for an exciting time as we think about 
wrapping up this discussion and what the next discussion might bring. What do you think, Kara? How did, how do you feel? How did we do? I think we did a wonderful job. I think, I think all educators, I think all caregivers, I think all students right now are doing such an amazing job. And if I could give a hug (laughs) to every student, caregiver, parent, family member, and educator, I would, because the work is hard, but we're also so immensely proud. Um, I had a challenging day at work a few weeks ago and came back the next day and you could still see the, the previous day on my face. And one of my bosses, who's a wonderful person, said to me, but you still came back and that's all that matters. And that's always what we, I, you know, just taking it day by day. Also, Jen, you talked about the future and our commenters and our listeners that we love. If you are local to Michigan, Jen and I will be presenting again at the Michigan Association of Bilingual Education, MABE, an organization that is near and dear to our hearts um, in 2023. So if you are there, we would love to meet you, stop by and say hello. And I guess that wraps it up for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening and your time. Thank you for listening to Learners and Leaders, the education podcast where all things literacy, learning, and growth are discussed. If you like what you heard today, let Huda and Jennifer know by subscribing and leaving a comment. And we will see you again next time.